Hello and welcome back to Sharp Scratch. You're listening to episode 87. It's not just you, medicine is weird. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor that you might not get to at a medical school. I'm Charlotte and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, looking after all the content the BMJ student will be producing this year. I've also just finished my fifth year as a medical student at the University of Oxford. Today we're joined by previous editorial scholar Anna. Anna, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello everyone. Um, Yeah, I'm Anna. I am now an FY2 doctor um, working in the northeast of England and um, did Charlotte's job many moons ago now, but really excited to be here to talk about this because it's something I've thought about quite a lot. Okay, it's great to have you with us, Anna. Um, And we've also got one of our newer panellists joining us today. Um, So Judy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, hello, my name is Judy. I'm a third year medical student at the University of Silesia and I'm really excited um, about this topic because, like Anna said, it's something that, you know, we kind of talk about um, a lot. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good discussion, hopefully. So medicine is a career unlike almost any other. As medical students and junior doctors, we've had a lot of experience with strange, surreal moments. Um, The first time you ask a super invasive question to someone you've known for all of five minutes, the first time you make an incision in surgery, the first time you do an intimate examination, all of these things can be really strange as they kind of go against all of our social norms. And getting used to this weirdness is really important, but no one ever teaches you this in medical school. In everyday life, we follow like lots of rules that aren't written down anywhere. But then when you start practicing medicine, you have to kind of unlearn all these things that you know about how to behave and what what's kind of normal in any given situation. So, yeah, Anna, I know this is a subject you've thought a lot about before, as you just mentioned. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about it before we get started? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, I haven't really thought about it in any kind of academic way, but it's um, something that, you know, you and I spoke about before, Charlotte. I have it's, it's conversations that I've had with one of my academic supervisors who actually is a psychologist by background and, and not a medic. And um, quite interesting, really, he um, his initial work, like his PhD and stuff was around the human computer interface. Um, and then he sort of sidestepped into medical education, which I thought was quite fascinating. You know, what are the parallels there? Um, is the the medic patient interface, a bit like the human computer interface, but um, I won't, won't dwell on that too much. Um, but yeah, it's something that, that he calls or, or sort of conceptualizes as, as the deviancy of medicine, which I think is maybe a really nice way of looking at it. You know, we at least, you know, my experience is I spent 18 years of my life learning how to behave in social situations. And then I went to medical school and they told me that that's not how we behave in these situations, which becomes such a huge part of your life. Um, and then I think sometimes you can get a bit, conf- well, I know personally, I can get a bit confused between what's a what's a norm of one culture and what's, what's a norm in, in another setting. Um, and I think that can be really, really challenging as a, as a med student. Yeah, I completely agree. So I thought we'd kind of start with that idea of like normalising stuff that isn't normal in one setting. And I know, Judy, you kind of wrote about some of this when we, we talked about this before. Yeah, definitely. So um, with um, starting third year, we have started an anatomy module. And in our module, we do dissections every week, uh, twice a week. And sort of the first experience that I've had with the dissections was very surreal because, 
you would expect we would be sort of told beforehand, sort of prepared, told, you know, you're going to see this and this is how you're going to feel and stuff like that. Um, but we didn't get any of that. So when we walked into the labs for the first time, we were being told about um, what our exams would be like, how we would be marked. And he just sort of casually points at the table, oh, here's a specimen. And I think I was just completely shocked. Um, I knew it was something to expect, but I didn't expect him to just sort of have it on there, like very sort of casually. Um, and I think my classmates were like that as well. We were a bit surprised. And I think maybe he did this on purpose to kind of try to get us used to the setting before sort of anything else. Um, because I feel like maybe he felt that talking about it for a very long time would maybe kind of work it up in our minds and make us more nervous than we would need to be. Um, so sort of from that very first introduction, it was very much, this is what we're going to be doing. This is how we're going to be doing it. You know, we're going to get to work. Um, it didn't really give us the time or the space to process what we were looking at and what we were sort of going to experience. Um, and I would have moments in our classes while we are being taught about something, you know, quite in-depth or quite detailed that I probably should be paying attention to, where I kind of step away and I look at... Um, um, the, our specimen. See, I don't even know what to call it because I, I don't know what to sort of refer to our cadavers as. Um, and I think that's just that's a testament to how sort of I'm not really sure how to connect it in my mind yet. But I would have moments where I would look at maybe fingernails or eyelashes and it all feels so real. And I kind of have this moment of, oh, wow, like this is a lot. This is something that's you know, it's kind of with medicine having to connect um, professionalism and being emotional at the same time. And sometimes we're told, you know, don't be too emotional, don't get too attached to patients. But at the same time, we're told to be empathetic and be able to show empathy. So it's sort of being able to connect those two things in, in the same breath is quite difficult when we are kind of told things that are almost opposing to each other. Um, so that sort of was my main experience with a moment where I felt a bit sort of a little bit of dissonance with medicine. Yeah, I I really relate to that. I think we had that we had our dissection in our first year and to for that to be one of the like very first things you do in medicine, I think it really sets you up for like understanding how how strange and like different this degree and this profession is to other people's. Yeah, I totally, totally resonate with what you're saying, particularly thing about the fingernails. I mean, I remember having a, um, so I went to King's and we have quite, had a quite a tr traditional curriculum, I think quite similar to, to Oxford, Charlotte. Um, so yeah, dissection was, was one of the first things that I did. And I think it is one of those, you know, points where you realise you're not the same as a psychology student. You're not the same as a history student. You know, you have this huge responsibility, I think, to use the donation that people have made um, to the best of your ability to learn. And I think um, it's interesting what you touched on, Judy, the, um, I guess, the role of dissection being actually much more than simply learning anatomy. Because um, I know that a lot of um, a lot of med schools don't do full body dissection anymore, but I chose Kings specifically because they did, and I think full body dissection has a greater role than than simply learning anatomy. Um, but yeah, I totally I remember the first time I went in the DR, and um, there's just like there was just like jars 
everywhere. And I remember this woman, um, one of the techs, like wheeling this cart um, just of arms, just of arms. And I was like, that's, that is weird, isn't it? And I was just like, this is so surreal. Yeah. I feel like I'm having an out of body yeah. experience. Um, but yeah, I remember what you, you know, what you were saying about the fingernails. I remember my, um, it was very much framed as sort of being your first patient. So that was kind of how I viewed the, the, um, the cadaver that we were working on. And, you know, it is easy to like zone out when you're focusing on one specific part of anatomy and, you know, trying to do that dissection well, um, and, you know, focusing on that and sort of forget what the bigger picture is. And I remember one, moment that I had was when I saw that my cadaver's fingernails were painted pink and that just kind of you know it just brings you back into the sort of focus of like the magnitude of what you're doing and it's so against all of our instincts in a way you know I mean the Hippocratic Oath right when it was initially written you know way back in like Greek times first do no harm encompassed surgery because doctors at those times didn't do any surgery because that was, you know, there's a whole thing about you shouldn't cut into someone to relieve the kidney stone and stuff like that. Obviously, we don't use that anymore. But, you know, cutting into someone's body is, even if you know that that's the right thing to do, is still weird. Like, when I was on general surgery um, as an F1, we would often get the opportunity to go to theatre. And one of the things that obviously they would allow F1s to do would be to make some of the initial incisions and things like that. And also, um, you know, learning how to close the like laparoscopic portholes and things like that at the end. It's still weird cutting into someone. Like even even some of the surgery, like Regis said, like it's still is, I still feel funny every time I do the initial incision. Like, because it's so against our instincts, like we don't want to hurt people. And that is the most, you know, obviously they're under GA, you know, you're not hurting them. But there's something in your like lizard brain that's like, no, this is wrong. Um, And I think, yeah, again, that just kind of comes back to like, the role of dissection is way more than just learning the anatomy. Yeah, I agree. And you like, you mentioned surgery just then. I was talking to a friend about this and we were saying like how weird it is the first time you go into surgery and it's such an unfamiliar and like uncomfortable environment to be in like you feel initially maybe quite stressed because everything is quite like regimented but then you get into this room and there's often like really like bouncy pop music playing whilst there's just like a person on the table and it's yeah it's such a weird feeling isn't it it's Mm. just it's really hard to like connect all of that in your head and be like okay this is normal but it's also not normal like I don't know. It's really And it weird. comes back to that dichotomy that Judy was talking about, you know, for the people in that room, you know, the ODPs, the scrub nurses, the surgeons, this is their day to day. But, you know, for the patient, it's it's not. They're just, you know, this this might be one of the scariest days of their lives. And I think that's something that I always try and come back to, like particularly having, I've just finished working in general practice, you know, having an appreciation for the fact that whilst for you, you know, say, take something like diagnosing someone with type 2 diabetes. For you, you may do that every single day. And for you also, it might not seem like that big a deal because like there's, you know, loads of things that you can do um, in terms of like management of diabetes and stuff. But for that patient, that's that's a lifelong condition that they're going to live with. And actually, you know, it's not just things like cancer or 
you know, terminal illnesses that you need to approach as breaking bad news. You know, I I always approach kind of any diagnosis as breaking bad news because it might come as a real surprise for people. And I think that that just comes back to that idea of like our routine being very much out of the ordinary for, you know, most people who aren't doctors, nurses, whatever. Yeah, and actually that um, kind of leads us on really well to Patrick's voice note. Um, So this week we've asked all our regular contributors to send in um, some kind of voice notes about things that they found strange when studying medicine. And we've chosen a few to talk about today. Um, And so this is what Patrick had to say about how what is normal for you as a doctor might actually be really different to what's normal for a patient and then vice versa as well. Hi, Charlotte. Patrick here, one of the final year students in Galway and uh, one of the contributors to Sharp Scratch. So I had a strange experience where a junior doctor asked me to do a clinical exam of a man with rheumatoid arthritis on one of the wards. And I was uh, really enthusiastic because, um, he, he, you know, apparently he had very classic signs and it would be great practice for my exams coming up. Um, so it wasn't really until I was sitting in front of him, talking to him, you know, did I realize that what I was excited to see these classic findings like the ulnar deviation of the fingers and the swan neck deformity and all that's uh, those kind of stuff is is what uh, made his life so difficult. And, you know, that that's what made it difficult for him to put on his shoes and made it difficult for him to cook and meant that he was in pain every day. So I guess it just reminded me that like my reality of going on the wards and looking for patients with good clinical findings is really different to being a patient and having to live with those clinical findings. So I guess that was kind of a a strange reminder to get. I think what he said is very relatable in terms of how when we see sort of the textbook examples, we are kind of excited to see it in real life. Um, And sometimes we forget that this is actually impacting the way that people live. Um, And I I know like in med school, when we're taught about symptoms and sort of um, features to recognize, we are kind of taught very much, you know, you look for this, you look for this, you look for this. And sometimes I wonder um, in the classes that we have and the sort of seminars that we have, if we were asked sort of at the end, how do you think this, these um, symptoms affect the person's life? And even if it's not something that's sort of on the curriculum, it sort of is good to kind of get medical students thinking about it because it's at the end of the day when we're doctors, we're not just going to be telling people what's wrong with them and sort of diagnosing them. We also have to have that level of empathy So even if just asking at the end of a lecture or at the end of a seminar, you know, what what do you think makes um, this patient's life more difficult based on what um, symptoms they're presenting? It kind of will help us to sort of bridge that gap of, you know, understanding what someone's living through versus reading about what someone's living through. Mm. I think it's a really, really lovely reflection from Patrick. And I think something that 
medical school curriculums are really, really crying out for is greater integration of, of patient and public involvement. Um, I also know from personal experience how useful medical students find patient perspectives as part of their teaching. So when I was running the British Undergraduate Society for Obstetrics and Gynecology, you know, we recognised that actually a lot of these conditions um, within sort of OBS and gyne it can be very difficult for people to see those patients with those conditions, you know, in the short OBS and gyne block that they might have at medical school. So we made a commitment at the beginning of my tenure as president in 2020 to always have a patient perspective at every single educational event that we did. And all of the feedback that we got from them was, you know, we love hearing from patients. Like it's so important to us to hear from patients about how this has impacted their lives. And I think it's, it's kind of, interesting to me that this is considered quite a new area um yeah that's what I thought was really interesting as well like there's definitely moments where you kind of go into a clinic and you're like oh I hope I see like you said xyz today that'll make it a, a worthwhile day or I'll have learned something or seen something that I need for my exams or whatever but I think we sometimes fall into a trap of like forgetting that that that's a person whose life is full and complicated and you know like they're dealing with this and it it feels really weird to look at it through that lens then I think um and it's kind Mm. of like accidental objectification of a person like just distilling them Mm. down into this one thing that I find really uncomfortable about it so yeah I really agree with Patrick that that's definitely like a moment of like dissonance Mm. in medicine Mm. I guess and I think although it's not to say that you shouldn't be excited about your clinical practice like that you, you should be excited about your clinical practice. But I think there is just having that awareness of what these things actually mean on a day-to-day basis and not just your kind of little snapshot of, of what you get in your sort of little short patient interaction that you have. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about like some of the strangest moments in medicine right after this message from our sponsor. Indemnity. You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with Medical Protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, There are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins £200. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of medical protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more. So I thought we could also maybe talk a bit about like work-life balance and like separation between different parts of your like personality or life in medicine. Um, So one of the things that I always find like really, really strange is in Oxford where all the medic like kind of parties happen, um, organised by like the clinical medsoc is on the actual hospital site. So the building that all the parties in is like directly opposite the helipad. Um, It's like a two minute walk from A&E and like the like obstetrics like department and it's like really close to where we do all of our placements 
and I just find it so weird it's like a Friday night or a Saturday night and you're like dressed up in either some ridiculous outfit or something that you would never wear to the hospital normally and you're like suddenly in the place where you go every day of the week and act very differently and yeah I just that's like one of the things that always makes me feel like really strange about medicine is like where that separation is. Yeah I've had something similar in terms of um, not with sort of our hospital sites but with um, we have a study room in in our dorms um, and usually when you go down there are students you know studying for tests and exams and stuff and it's quite the the atmosphere is very serious very sort of like grim (laughs) and um i think sometimes we i think last week we had a games night in the study rooms um where we just kind of invited everyone from the dorms and it was just a bunch of young um students and everyone was you know kind of in the party mood playing card games drinking everything and i kind of just looked around the room and i was like wow i can't believe this is the same room that (laughs) i was stressing over biochemistry in (laughs) so it is definitely a weird experience to sort of behold but I also think it's it's kind of a good thing at the same time, sort of being able to have that seriousness, but also having a, the ability to sort of remove yourself and just kind of be able to kick back and relax. Because I feel like in medicine as a pr- profession, we are always kind of surrounded by the seriousness. So being able mm. to find that sort of area where we're able to just chill or just kind of let our hair down a bit is always nice Mm. yeah I agree the thing you said about like looking around the room is really funny so you know recently I had to re a whole year had to redo our OSCE um and they put us in isolation for like two three hours before the OSCE and we were isolating in that building where all the parties are and I was like looking around thinking how is this this, (laughs) like like what you're saying Judy like how on earth is this the same building like I'm so stressed I'm sat here in my scrubs I was just going to say I I really like those reflections on like physical places and how they can like have such a huge impact on you. I think the the you know um what you're saying about like hospitals and stuff it kind of like resonates again I guess with that sort of idea of like what's normal for us is not normal for other people because most people would only go to a hospital like if they were ill (laughs) um and we go to a hospital all the time and it's something my partner who's not medical um I remember one sort of quick anecdote that kind of illustrates this we were in in Brighton once and I was like oh god I really need a wee like really really need a wee um and I was like oh I can't really see anywhere where I can go to the toilet I was like is that the early pregnancy you know over there I'll just pop in there and go to the toilet. And he's like, what are you talking about? You can't go in there. I was like, they're not going to, they're not going to not let me go to the toilet. Like it's like an open reception. I can see some toilets. I'm just going to go in there. And obviously they did just let me go to the toilet. But that was only because I was like, I'm totally comfortable in this environment. Like, you know, if you weren't a med student or a doctor, like you simply would not do that. Um, So I think that that's, you know that's that's probably like part of this weirdness is the fact that like lots of people find hospitals very scary which you know totally understandably it's not a place that you associate good things happening in but you know i i now obviously having been a med student and then subsequently being a doctor in training we're supposed to be called now i feel really comfortable in hospital i'm like 
I know where everything is. Like, I know how things work. Yeah, things are a bit different kind of place to place. But ultimately, I know there's probably going to be a coffee shop somewhere. You know, there's certain things that you can expect in a hospital, which I find quite comforting. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree as well. (laughs) Um, I think what you were saying with um, most people going to the hospital when they're sick um, or just generally when they're not feeling well um, uh, and we kind of go to hospitals when we're perfectly fine. Um, It just reminded me I was having a conversation with one of my friends and they were like, oh, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm in the hospital. And they were like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I, I work here. Like, <laughs> And then the, it's kind of that weird experience of um, us being in a place where most people would sort of associate other things with. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things about medicine, being able to sort of connect different emotions to different things at different times. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. My, um, my husband... Every time I say I'm going to the hospital, he goes, oh, no, what's wrong? I'm like, you're not funny. You're not funny. Um, But yeah, he still finds that very funny. (laughs) Yeah, my friend does that like genuinely. Like she forgets every single time. And like I'll be texting her and she'll be like, wait, what? Like, like what Julie was saying. And it happens like how long have I been doing placements? Like I've been doing placements for like two, three years now. And like it, it somehow has not sunk in yet that this is very normal for me. So we'll come back and discuss a little bit more about this with some more voice notes right after this advert. I'm Dr Matt Morgan and alongside working as an intensive care consultant, I work as part of the BMJ on examination team to support you in passing your medical exams. You can get access to our personalised revision resource online and in our app for years one to three, totally free, as well as a huge 40% discount on our medical student finals product. We'll help you pass your exams by making sure to maximise the best use of your time. We'll deliver you the most important questions, keep you on track with daily reminders, and give you feedback to show how you're performing. We're committed to making revision easy, so start your journey to passing first time today by visiting onexamination.com to sign up or by downloading the OnExamination app. Okay, so um, one of the other things that I think like a lot of medical students find like the weirdest bit about medicine is asking really invasive questions that you would never ask in any other situation, like five minutes into knowing someone um and I think that's something that you get used to quite quickly but can feel weird at first and we have a voice note from Stan one of our other panelists about when this can be quite like an uncomfortable experience so my clinical partner and I were taking a history from a man And towards the end of the conversation, he mentioned that he had found a lump on his penis. And uh, so my clinical partner started asking him about this lump. And when he got to the question of how big is it, there was uh, a pause on the phone and we didn't know what was happening. Um, But the patient then followed up with, oh, do you mean the lump? So more of the story is, Always be clear with the questions you ask, especially if they're um, regarding someone's private parts. 
I mean, that is funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that just captures it. That just captures the like awkwardness mm. and like how easy it is to put your foot in it. How like saying one sentence slightly differently to the way that like you'd mm. like mm. mentally rehearsed it can like completely shift a conversation um but I did think that was quite funny from Stan yeah and it's again it's like what's obvious to you as a medical you know I think that's probably been the kind of theme of this is like what's obvious to you as a medical professional and what's normal to you is not obvious and normal um to the the majority of your patient population and I think you you do always have to remember that and um you know I've been working in a place that has quite low health literacy and has um, lots of problems with poverty and deprivation and and things like that. And I think what's obvious to you is not obvious to the patients, even in terms of, you know, what's the most important thing to be talking about. Um, And I think it is a lot of medical practices about being mindful of that. Um, And I think I've probably labored that point enough in this, in this episode. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think, I think this is, you know, I remember when I was in third year and I was learning how to examine people you know physically lay your hands on someone who you've only just met you you know someone comes in you're immediately asking them about you know really really personal stuff and that is a privilege and that is a responsibility um and I mean my approach to it is always to be extremely matter of fact because if you if you even start like hesitating or like you know sort of circling around it a bit then that's going to make everything more awkward. So, you know, just ask the questions because for the most part, people are expecting you to ask the questions. If they come in with a problem, an intimate problem, they are they are going to expect you to ask intimate questions. But I think it can be very, very hard when you're first learning. Yeah, I've definitely done that in OSCE practice is like go round and round, like trying to work out a way of like saying something that is the least awkward for me that I think will be the least awkward for the patient and realise like, three minutes into me like babbling and like trying to come up with like a new way of phrasing something the the best way is to just be direct and Mm. yeah it can leave you like in just practicing Voskis and just like laughing so much about how like awkward you can make something like just because it's new and it's scary and you're probably a bit nervous and it's such like an artificial Mm. environment really it obviously becomes second nature quite quickly but to begin with it is really artificial and you do have to be mindful about like the words that you're using so I think yeah there is there is um you know some of these ideas around like how you phrase things what's the best way of speaking with you know the simplest language possible which can be really really hard when you know all of the like medical terminology and stuff and in one setting like when you're speaking to colleagues you probably do want to use some of that terminology particularly as a med student I think you're like you want to make sure people know that you know what those words mean but then then you have to switch to maybe speaking to people as I say who have got lower levels of health literacy and um, lower levels of literacy and um, you have to make sure that what they understand of what you're saying links to what you're saying which is not always as easy as it seems yeah I feel like a lot of this comes back to like the switch in like personality or language use or like so many of the things we talked about have just been about like the there's lots of aspects to being a medical student or a doctor and like turning those things on and then off in different settings is hard to get used to I guess at the beginning is kind of what we're saying Mm. and Anna what you mentioned earlier about like examinations and like actually like doing an examination actually like 
touching someone putting your hands on someone is a really like unnatural feeling I started clinical placements uh in February 2021 so it was like right after I just had a year at home like being you know you crossed the street to be as far away from people as possible um and then suddenly being in an environment where like you actively were not supposed to be doing that was it was really Mm. strange it's just a really weird thing to get used to I guess I think um sort of from listening to Stan's voice note and another thing that kind of I was thinking about that's weird um with medicine is you kind of have to learn how to keep a really good poker face because you can't you can't show your expression to certain things um (laughs) and sort of when we're asked when we're talking about awkward questions or sort of awkward understand um misunderstandings um like in the situation that stan was talking about sort of you you can't really like burst out laughing um you kind of have to carry on to sort of like stay as professional as you you possibly can um and it's one of those things that i think based on your reaction um makes such a big difference to the patients because i remember um when i was i I was getting my blood done for um being tested for iron deficiency anemia and i think i was mentioning to the doctor because at the at the time i wasn't sure what i had i was mentioning some of my symptoms that my mom was with me i was quite young and she she mentioned one of my um quote-unquote symptoms which i don't think (laughs) i don't think was a real symptom um, but I remember the doctor started laughing <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. I was, uh, I, I, I remember it so clearly so and yeah. just from, um, and it wasn't really like a long, like laugh or anything. It was just like a little chuckle. And I just, I was like, oh, this is ingrained mm-hmm. in my memory forever. So oh, it's so important you. how, <laughs> It's yeah, so important how we like definitely. sort of react to those situations. <laughs> um, I agree. The thing about having a good poker face, though, is like so true. Uh, and like, I think I have the kind of, I don't know, I, I usually like show exactly what I'm feeling at any given moment with my facial expressions, like, and learning to kind of rein that in and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah like kind of control it and like keep a good poker face about like, because anything can be kind of thrown at you in a consultation, something that, you know, you slip up and say something funny or, um, yeah, like some, like even, even if it's like slightly different, something that you find really upsetting, like perfecting the poker face is a skill that um, mm. <laughs> you don't really get taught, but it's like quite important. <laughs> I think on the flip side as well, not only just kind of working on our poker face, but also knowing that like... Um, social cues like sort of like trying not to sort of have a blank stare while we're talking to our patients so knowing when to kind of show emotion and when to not show emotion and it's just the back and forth like in like a space of 15 minutes is just it's a skill it's definitely a skill I admire in doctors Mm. because I'm just like wow how are you doing this especially when people tell you like awful things like this this is just my last point like people come in and they can tell you like the worst thing that you've ever heard has happened to them totally matter of factly and you you yeah it's exactly as you say gd you do just have to sometimes i can't even figure out like how i'm supposed to respond because they're maybe like telling you something really really awful but in like a totally like jokey way 
and being like, oh, well, you know, this it is what it is. I'm just like... Yeah. And I think what's hard about that as well is, like, the only other time that you'd probably hear something like that is, is from someone you're close to, like a family member exactly, or a friend. Who, exactly, like, where you respond totally differently. Yeah, you probably have, like, years of shared history. You know what they want you to say or they know you know that you're not going to be kind of overly scrutinised for your reaction to it. Like, it's a, such a different setup. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's something that I imagine is quite hard to balance and something that probably happens fairly frequently as a doctor, Anna. I don't know. but Yeah, all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want um, to put people off. Like, it's, a, it's an enormous privilege being able to... Um, you know support people that that like bad stuff has happened to but I think particularly you know when you're from certain backgrounds as well where maybe you have experienced less hardship in your life um which I certainly am I think sometimes it can come as a shock um and maybe not something that you were expecting that much but it can be can be very difficult to respond to but on the other hand it is a fundamental part of being a doctor and it is nice to look back and think about times when you've dealt with that really well and that person will um you know probably remember that interaction forever because you got it right um and that's just as important and um just as important to reflect on those times when you felt that you did really well um as well as times when you felt that perhaps things might have gone differently had you phrased something differently or you know done something differently so I I think that's just an important point to say as well at the end of all of this yeah I think that is actually such a good like take-home message um like everything we've kind of touched on in this episode is that medicine is weird and it is all just like kind of a learning curve and um that like some days will be easier than others but ultimately this is a whole new thing um we're getting used to as medical students and new doctors um and also like we said at the beginning we're learning like whole new ways of behaving and interacting with people um not just clinical facts and knowledge um it's this whole new culture of what it actually means to be a medical student or a doctor um and getting used to that can be really challenging sometimes um so yeah thanks so much to our panelists for joining us and to everyone at home for listening to this episode of sharp scratch um if you like this episode i'd love it if you could um support us leave a review wherever you get your podcasts um and share with the people you know um and tell your friends about it that helps other people find the show too um if there's ever any topics you'd like us to cover or if you have any thoughts on this topic about how strange medicine can be at times do let us know we're on facebook twitter and instagram as bmj student um if you want to hear any other episodes from us um subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll get another episode from us we're talking all about fictional doctors next time um and the best medical tv shows so join us for that um and until then goodbye from us